in Chicago public schools, I wanted to make a difference just because I feel like kids deserve a lot more than they're giving. And it takes strong people to come into education and say, okay, I'm not just going to come here and be a teacher, but I'm going to be an advocate. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. Hey, it's Danielle. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. Our goal is to share the stories of 500 Black educators. We will celebrate the impact and achievements, learn from the lessons and challenges, and highlight the important roles that educators play in all of our lives. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to our show. As a do now, please tell us your name, your role in education, and answer the question, why do Black educators matter? Hi, my name is Diamond Dorch, a current second grade ELA teacher in the state of Mississippi. And Black Educators Matter because it is important to have a representation of all students in all systems across the world, even if it's not education, just making sure that we're always representing who we are as well as the students who are represented. Now, where are you from? You said that you are a second grade teacher in Mississippi. Are you from Mississippi? No, I am from Chicago, Illinois. I moved down to Mississippi when I became a teacher at Bolton Edwards Elementary School. So I moved down here after I graduated from Jackson State. Okay, because I was going to ask you where was your accent, but we'll come back to your Mississippi experience later. So from Chicago, where were you from in the city? And do you remember what your elementary school experience was like? Yes, so I am originally from west part of Chicago, closer to the downtown area, probably about 10 minutes downtown Chicago. I am a product of CPS. My education in Chicago um, could have been better. We, I grew up in a city where there was just a lot of crime. My school didn't have a lot of resources at the time, so most of the time we would have to share a lot of things. We used to switch between principals. I mean, if you look up my elementary school now, Brian Piccolo Elementary School, is actually a turnaround school because it had so many problems as far as leadership is concerned and making sure that all students were gaining the required outcomes needed. So it was pretty much a school where it was a lot of black children and a lot of white teachers. I didn't have my very first black teacher. I was in middle school. But before then, all of my other educators were all white. How about your high school experience? I went to high school at Michelle Clark, and that was pretty much an even amount of white and black teachers. It was a magnet school, so we had children from all over. So I did not go to my neighborhood school. I actually went to a magnet school, and it was very rich in culture. And we learned a lot of different things. How was the, you said like the resources were lacking in your elementary school. What was it like going to a magnet school? Did you all have resources at the magnet school? We did have resources at the magnet school and as much, but we did have a lot more than what we had in elementary school simply because for one, we had parent involvement. And then once we got a new principal who kind of wanted to turn the school around, she got a lot of different people to input money into the school to give us different things. So what took you down to Mississippi? And did you go to college planning to be an educator? So 
the reason I came to Mississippi, actually Jackson State wasn't even on my radar, and I say this all the time, I had no real idea of what HBCU was. And when I got to high school, all through high school, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer or I'm going to be a computer engineer. And what really gravitated me towards teaching was when I was younger, that was just something I loved to do. And I kind of switched from that because I had so many people inputting their opinions on what they believed I should be. I was born with a disability, so teachers really played a huge part in just my development in general, just because some of the time, like I was homeschooled for a year, and that teacher played a big role in my life as far as making sure that I was where I needed to be academically. My second grade teacher, she played a big part in making sure that I was included in everything, regardless of the fact. So educators have always played a big role. I always wanted to be a teacher, but I kind of changed that path simply because other people thought that they, that I should have went another way for money purposes. So when I got to Jackson State, I was like, if I'm going to go to school, I'm going to go to school for something that I want to go to school for. So I decided to change back into my teaching path. And if you want to go into your disability, because you brought it up, what was that like as an elementary and high school student? And did that influence your decision to go to college? So I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy from birth. So in elementary school, I was doing rehabilitation as well as I had two different surgeries. So I was really pretty much in and out of school for the most part due to having to do all of those different things. So like as I said, I was homeschooled for about a year in second grade. Then I had to go back for my second surgery in third grade. And when I came back, like I had to be on a wheelchair, I had to basically learn how to walk again. So I had to go through all these different devices. And so when I went to school, I did experience some bullying, not a lot, just because my teachers made sure to just make sure that I was always okay. And then, as I said, my second grade teacher, which is, she's one of the biggest reasons I decided to become an educator. She actually created this entire day around the kids learning about my disability and just making sure that they understood that even though I presented to be different, like we were all still the same. And so that really helped them kind of turned their angle from wanting to laugh at me to kind of understand it, even though we were still young. And they kind of became my protectors because if they had ever heard someone talking about me, they'd be like, oh, you don't talk about her. And so it kind of created a community for me, of people that always just had my back. So I greatly appreciated that. In high school, I really didn't have any issues. People kind of treated me normal because I was in a space of, I knew who I was, and I was very comfortable in my disability at that point. So if people did say little stuff, I just kind of let it roll and went with the punches and kept moving. So how did all of this translate? And, okay, I have to I have to say thank you to your second-grade teacher and all of the educators that protected you. Like, that was an incredible story to hear that she created a day so that they could learn about you. Like, that's inclusiveness. Yes, ma'am. I Definitely appreciate her, and it's something that I definitely try to do for my students now, just because I pride myself on making sure that every child feels welcomed and loved in the environment that I create. Yeah, so how did all of this take you to become a teacher? When did you decide, like, this is what I'm going to do? I would have to say, really, I I used to do recreational 
work in Chicago. So I used to work for the Chicago Park District and I used to work around kids a lot. And it's something about just seeing them transform and just understand things that used to be confusing. And one time I was working and I was just teaching this one of the third graders how to do multiplication facts and she struggled for a long time. And then by the end of the summer, she was able to tell me all her multiplication facts and just seeing them grow was, I was like, this is just something that I have to do. Like it just really made light of my day. I was just like, yes, this is it. And really just growing up in Chicago public schools, I wanted to make a difference just because I feel like kids deserve a lot more than they're giving. And it takes strong people to come into education and say, okay, I'm not just going to come here and be a teacher, but I'm going to be an advocate. And so that's really what drove me into education, having to go through the type of school system that I did go through. So how long have you been a teacher? So this is my second year teaching. Yeah. So this is my second official year teaching. However, I've served as like program instructors for throughout the summers. So I've been working with kids for a very long time, but I've been officially a teacher for two years. Does a shared sense of identity and connectedness exist between you and your Black students? And if so, how did you recognize it? Definitely. I've learned that most of my students that truly, like, really gravitate towards me are the students that identify with me. And I'm able to reach them on a different level because not only can I say, okay, this is for people that look like us, but I can come down and understand the different problems that they may be experiencing because I may have one experience that myself or grew up in those type of environment to give them those type of advice. And I recognized it really my first year teaching because I had a student whose home environment wasn't so good. And because I grew up in Chicago where there are a lot of gangs, he used to reference a lot of different things. And I really had to pull him aside and be like, you know, you shouldn't, you should think about that. And, you know, we had a conversation about it and a lot of things that I shared with him, he wasn't familiar with and he didn't realize the severity of his actions. So being able to connect with him and being able to come to him, I don't feel like it would have been received the same way had I been another color. So I think that we do share the identity and they, they find comfort in being able to talk to someone that looks like them. What has been the most impactful moment you've had as an educator thus far? My most impactful moment would really be during this time. It has really shown me just how much I can connect with students, whether that's in the classroom or via the computer. I had children that didn't want to get off my Zoom class just because they were so much in tune with class. And it really just proved what my purpose was for me. And so for me, that was impactful because I knew that I was still impacting them, even though they weren't in my class or in my presence, because I thought that, that made a difference. But you can make a classroom anywhere. So that was my most impactful moment to see that they were still gaining the things that they needed to gain, even though they were on a computer. You know what? I skipped a very important step. So I know that you have been teaching for two years. I know that you went to Jackson State. But did you have any black educators while you were in school and college? Yes, all of my mostly all of my teachers were African American because I went to HBCU. And my reason behind choosing Jackson State was because I wanted to go somewhere that felt like home. And when I was in 
high school, we were actually afforded the opportunity to go on like this HBCU tour where they took us to all these different HBCUs to kind of get a grasp of it. And that was the first time that I was introduced to it. And Jackson State was just where I felt like home was. And so when I went there, I just felt protected. I felt like everybody cared about what I was going to do after I left Jackson State, not just about what I did while I was there. They fostered my growth, made sure that I grew as a person. And I don't feel like I would have got that had I went to a PWI because they wouldn't have took the time to really get to know me and what I needed to develop as an adult. This is just one of many stories, and we want to keep the conversation going. Follow us on Instagram at blackeducators.matter. Visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org. Help build the movement by joining our Patreon. Now, let's get back to our Project 500 podcast. I wanted to make sure we had an opportunity to give Jackson State and your Black educators their shine. Definitely. Now, thinking about everything that you have seen as a student from Chicago who has gone to Mississippi to teach and graduated from an HBCU, what is the state of education in Black America and how did we get here? I think that for Black students and Black teachers, we're at a point where it's time for us to stand up for each other, to kind of connect with each other and say, you know, this system or this schooling was never designed for us. So it's time for us to design a school and a system that is made for us to succeed. I think especially during this pandemic, we've learned that most of the things that they're trying to enact or require of teachers to do really affect black and brown children. I don't know if you know about the Teachers for Good Trouble movement, but requiring, you know, students to take standardized testing in the midst of COVID, that really affects students that live in socioeconomic, poor socioeconomic areas, which are mostly black and brown students. So just really standing up for our students and saying, okay, this schooling or school was never designed for African-American students because at one point we couldn't even come to school. So we know that they weren't designed for us. So really investing back into our HBCUs that were designed for us to succeed and then creating elementary schools or high schools that are really around fostering growth and meeting our students where they are is what's really important. Are schools designed for children of color? No, they're designed for us to fail. So, I mean, if you want to say they're designed, they are. They're designed exactly for what their purpose is, which is to make sure that we don't reach a certain status quo they're designed exactly for that. I don't believe that they're designed for us to succeed because there are so many barriers that are always put in place to make sure that we don't reach a certain capacity. Like I was reading an article or some articles of where these black and brown students had got like 32s on the ACT and then they went back and changed the test. And it's like, if you really wanted me to succeed, if it was really about my growth and making sure that I was able to do what it is that everyone else can do, why are you upset that I passed? You know, why are we changing tests when too many people of a certain color are passing the test? You know, so different things like that show us that one, the school system was never designed for our babies, and two, that we need to do something 
about it. And I think right now repairing the community is very important because we have to come together. If they see cracks within our communities, they'll find any way to divide us. So let's talk about that because you mentioned even with your elementary school experience about the parental involvement. What are some things that can be done to help strengthen and and address those cracks in the community? Really the conversation. I think all too often we ignore mental health in our community. It's not something that's talked about. We are forced to basically hide our pain. And I've noticed as an adult, I do that a lot. And I even chose to participate in counseling. And I was really reluctant at first because in, our, in my family, it was we don't need counseling. But the reality is with everything that goes on in life, you need a place to and just decompress and we don't give our children those things we assume that as kids they don't go through anything and I think that that's a big thing for me as an educator I try to take the time out to listen to my students even though they have a whole a whole lot of stories that may have nothing to do with me I try to listen because somebody has to as a child there was a lot of things that I went through that sometimes I wish my parents would have noticed that hey, she's a little depressed, or hey, she may need some help outside of us. And so I feel like addressing the mental health and acknowledging that we have problems is the first step, because I feel like too many times we sweep things under the rug and we assume that what happens in this household just happens in this household. This household, but it's happening everywhere. And we need to make sure that we're protecting each other first and building a community that has a strong foundation. Too many times we create movements and too many people are worried about them and not the collective. So just fostering the idea of we're in this together, like no one person is alone. Are there any ways that you have built relationships with your parents to help build that community with your students? So for one, I try to be transparent with all my stu- with all my students and their parents about what their child needs and how we can work together, especially now. I tell my parents all the time, I don't care what time of day it is. You can text me, you can call me, whatever you need. And I try to show up, even if it's things outside of school. I still try to attend certain like basketball games my kids may have if they're into sports or some people that are into art. I try to make sure that I'm visible in not just their academic career, but their personal life so they know that I'm I'm your teacher when you're in school, but I'm still a part of your community if you ever need anything. So I think connecting with parents and letting them know that we're, this is your child's village and anybody that wants to be a part of it should be a part of it to push that child where they need to go. And just having those conversations with parents because most times, As teachers, there's a lot of things that we have to do. So communicating with parents, depending on the parent, may be a little difficult. But taking the time out to really get to getting to know the parent and understanding the parent is very important because they have a lot of things to do. And they're most of the times the parents that are a little more loud or that we call our headaches are really parents that just have a lot going on and really may just need that person to talk to. And you may be that person. So just providing a space for them too to decompress because you never know their situations. Yeah, that that's so true. Being part of the village means that you're also part of the parents' village in addition to being part of the child's village. Yes. I know this year is your second year as a teacher. 
How do you feel that you have grown since you began your time in the classroom? When I first came into teaching, I feel as though, like, I was a debater in high school, so I'm very, like, vocal. And But when I came into teaching, I kind of resorted to being quiet, to just listening to whatever I was told, even if I disagree with it, because I was like, I'm new, so I'm going to be quiet. And I feel as though this year I've learned to kind of use my voice, understand that I have a voice for a purpose. So using it to advocate for my students and saying, no, my kids are not going to do this because this is unfair to them. And actually standing up and being an advocate for them has been one of my biggest changes. Just because I've always, last year I was really scared to rattle the cages. And this year I'm just like, no, because y'all are not about to keep doing my kids like this. You're not going to keep telling me my kids are not successful when I've seen them make tremendous growth. So just being an advocate has been my biggest change from last year to this year as far as education is concerned. What challenges have you grown through? Teaching in the midst of this pandemic has been one. My district requires us to teach virtually and traditionally at the same time. So that has been a challenge to say the least. But So you um, have to go in? So I have kids that are in my classroom and then I have kids that are actually on Zoom. So they all log in at the same time and I teach them for both at the same exact time. So that has definitely been a challenge trying to learn how to do that and make sure that they're getting what they need has been one of my biggest challenges. But I take I take time out of my personal day to make sure that I'm really giving them what they need and also uncharging myself or you know taking myself out of teaching for a while to recharge me I noticed that that is one of the biggest things because in the beginning of the school year I was really running on E a lot because I was doing or thinking about school all day long and when I do that I noticed that I can't give my kids the best version of me so I try to challenge myself to unplug and unwind and not even think about school so that I can make sure that I'm giving the most positive side of myself every day You mentioned therapy, and I am such an advocate for therapy for everybody. I think that it's important that everybody goes to therapy at least once. What else does self-care look like for you? So, like I said, I go to therapy at least once every two weeks now. I used to go every week. But I do simple things. I made a goal list of things that I want to accomplish. I try to do something different every week, whether that's writing something, I can't paint, but I made it a thing where I went and purchased some canvases and I just paint sometimes, even though it looks silly after the fact, but it really likes unwinds me. I try to make sure that I at least talk to someone on the phone, even if I can't see them, because I know that personal connection is very important. And being in isolation at this time and not speaking or seeing anybody can drive you crazy. So I just try to do little things little things here and there that I know will raise my spirit. I also do this thing in the morning before school where I listen to whatever my favorite song is. I dance, I move just to get my mind and my body back in order. And I even do it with my kids. Like that's the thing we do in the beginning of class. We all just get up, I play a song, we just dance. And it's really just to shake off any bad vibes that we may have had the night before or just to get our mind recentered in in a positive light. So I think Like you said, therapy, therapy for me has been the greatest thing. Just because as a first year teacher, I fell into a depression 
because I really didn't think that anything I was doing was impacting my students. And I was spending all of my time doing school and no, no, no time on my personal life. And so therapy really helped me allocate my time and learn that I can't give from an empty cup. So it was the best thing that I could have done for me. And like you said, I advocate for it. I think that people in our community need to go to therapy. We have a lot of issues that are unresolved because we don't want to talk about them. What advice do you have for first-year educators? To not worry about being perfect. That was my biggest challenge as an educator. When I first came in, I wanted everything to be Pinterest perfect and realizing that that wasn't going to happen was the greatest thing for me realizing that I had to like I said invest in me I had to take time away from school and unplug and realize that some of this sometimes you got to leave work at work everybody else in the world can do it so it's okay for teachers to do it sometimes so just unplugging and really giving yourself time to kind of do what you need to do on a personal level is the best advice I could ever give to a first-year teacher Thank you for walking us through your journey and sharing your story. I'm receiving all of your advice and that taking care to like unplug and pour into yourself, taking time to move and shake off anything that might be stopping you from achieving your goals today. I'm going to take that as a personal message myself, Ms. George. So thank you for teaching me that. Are there any black educators that you would like to thank? I would like to thank all of my teachers for one at Jackson State because they really molded me as a teacher to who I am. But I would really like to thank my high school debate teacher. Her name is Miss Ford France. She really brought out the debate side of me, the person that isn't afraid to speak up and speak out about different things. So I really appreciate her for seeing that in me and bringing it out of me because I know that that's exactly what I need to get to where I want to go in education. Where do you want to go in education? You're just starting off. So do you want to come back home to Chicago? Do you want to build a life in Mississippi? Like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? So my goal is to eventually end up somewhere in the White House. I believe that all great, you know, great teachers have to sometimes come out of the classroom and advocate for students on a higher level. So my goal is to end up somewhere in Washington, D.C. so that I can create and change policies that will better govern education and just making sure that students are actually getting the things that they need. So hopefully, when you see me in a few years, I'll be somewhere in the White House and changing policies. Come on for this policy change. You spoke it, so it's going to happen. That means you're working towards it because you've spoken it. So thank you again for sharing your story and everything that you have done. It was, it is, and it always will be worth it. So thank you. You went back and you looked for some of your teachers on Facebook? Yeah, so I went back and I looked for some of my elementary teachers on Facebook, and I was lucky enough to find my second grade teacher that created a day around me. And I was able to tell her just about how much she impacted me and just caused me to become a teacher. And she actually broke down crying because she had no memory of the day. And I let her know just how much of an impact she was for me. And when she actually, during that time when she taught me, she was just entering the teaching field. So I was just glad that she got to get a moment to see what she had done had been impactful to somebody else. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Educators Matter. Are you ready to share your story? 
Visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.org to sign up. Remember, make excellence equitable and thank a black teacher today.